Hello, welcome back to the Game People Discussion Group. We take a video game each week, some writers from the website, and have a good old chat. Come and join the gang of reviewing artisans. See it from every angle. My name's Andy Robertson. This week I'm joined by John Morgan, Alex Beach, and Chris Jarvis. We're going to be talking about Elie Noir. Before we dig into the game, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Andy Robertson. I look after the Family Gamer column on the website and I run Game People. Hello, I'm John Morgan and I write the Tired Gamer column for Game People under the name Really Quite Tired. Um, I'm a part-time academic and a part-time freelance writer. Uh, hi there, I'm Chris Jarvis and I write the Novel Gamer column for Game People. Hi, I'm Alex Beach and I'm the Scare Gamer on Game People. Cool. Um, now Alex, something you were saying in your review of L.A. Noir was how you, um, a lot of the time, you forgot you were playing a game. Now I'm interested to, to sort of hear what you meant by that and what that experience was like. One of the big points of L.A. Noir is this kind of emotion capture technology they've used, the, the face capture technology. And it was really during those moments where you're really sat there staring into the character's face and eyes that it's very easy to actually think of them as people. And it's not that, you know, I was completely 100% fooled, but as I would be during a movie, I just let myself get swept away in it. And When you forgot you were playing a game, it was it, you were sort of transported into like oh this is more like a film yeah yeah I mean it, yes very much so. well a film and I suppose even at times when you really got sucked into that face capture because it is so the fidelity is so great that you could almost convince yourself you were actually judging what a real person was doing all in terms of the emotions you were trying to deal with mm-hmm. so and these are the bits in the game um, that have been quite highly publicized aren't they where you're interrogating suspects and you're reading their face to try and work out are they telling the truth and then you have to make a decision on that and based on how accurately you've read their mannerisms um, you're sort of awarded points in your interrogation. I mean it's it's the fact it's a game that breaks it itself more than anything if you see what I mean because you've got this situation where you can just leave them hanging around for 10-15 minutes while you make a cup of coffee come back and they're still doing the same small loop of kind of facial gestures and you're like oh they're not real are they they probably would have got impatient with me by now if I'd actually gone and made a cup of coffee oh sorry are you still doing that blinking oh dear (laughs) (laughs) oh you must be lying if you haven't stopped now (laughs) you think you'd settle down Um, John can I bring you in here because I know something you were saying is that there's been a lot of focus on this is L.A. Noir the sort of first filmic game Um, and you're saying perhaps that's a bit of a misstep for how we're looking at it um I don't know if it's a misstep. I guess I just don't really always know quite what people mean by that. I mean, I think, well, there's a bit of an insight to hear Alex say that. For me, I would never be able to get past the fact that it's a game and not a film, simply because the fact that I'm doing things with my hands and quite clearly interacting with it in a different way. So, yeah, in in my review, I was asking, both raising that issue and asking wider questions about whether we really want games to be like films and what that what that would look like. I mean, it seems to me that for a long time, the games industry have kind of been perpetuating this idea that filmic games are some kind of holy grail in some sense, like one day we'll be able to do this. And the question of whether or not we actually want that or whether that's a good thing seems to have become completely buried. Like we've all just assumed that, oh yeah, that would be good. The interesting overlap here is that the the bits which um, 
like Alex, you were saying, were quite filmic, are actually the bits which are interactive. So we're previously games have sort of just had a cut scene where they've been like, okay, we can't really be like films, but here's a section that you know does look much more believable and photorealistic, I guess. Whereas I was quite interested in L.A. Noir, the bits that are more believable, um, are where you're trying to judge these expressions. Um, is, are those the bits you're referring to, Alex? Is that the where you sort of forgot about your gameplay? Well, it was more the kind of task I was being set. I mean, it was, you know, there was the part where I was actually judging somebody's expression and I could get absorbed in that. And there were the moments where I was wandering around a crime scene trying to look at things. And it wasn't just filmic. I mean, there was a part of it where I, my thinking wasn't that so much that of a game. It wasn't, you know, press A. It was more after I'd assessed him, I'd always have to check again which button I had to press to, I can't remember what they're called now, doubt, believe, or... Uh, truth, accuse. doubt, lie. True. Yeah. Thank you, truth, yeah. doubt, lie. There we go. <laughs> um, it, was, it was in those situations where I'd have to then remind myself which button to press because I was more involved with judging the expression than I was the game interaction. And certainly I was aware that I was making choices more so than I would be in a movie, but it, I wasn't thinking of the kind of mechanics of the game I was thinking of, the task of judging the expression. And Chris, let me bring you in. It's sort of overhearing this conversation. Was that your experience of L.A. Noir? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it is, you have got a much more, I think a much more human interaction of, of looking at how these people are talking and you're trying to make judgments around, you know, whether they're telling you the truth or, or that sort of thing. And I think it's, um, I think it's remarkable from that point of view. And I think, I, I was almost thinking, listening to that, that actually... It's almost a bit wasteful that this game is in kind of real-time 3D because you almost think that for what it's doing and for how closely they've captured the actors and for how, you know, other than choosing an option, how little interaction there is, you almost feel like this could be one of those old FMV games where you've got footage of actors talking and you make a choice and the video <laughs> branches. The fact that it's actually a kind of re real-time games engine actually seems to be an enormous waste. Could have been Jackie Blair. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. It could, yeah. Or, you know, you could have the the crime scenes could be one of those hidden object games, and then you just cut to the interviews with with real video and and all this massive amount of investment in huge open worlds and kind of three D technology. Uh, actually, it's kind of a bit of a waste at this stage. Yeah. I think it could have been it, Mark it, Hamill instead of uh, Aaron Staten. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Wouldn't, wouldn't that be marvelous? The other thing that I like about it is that it it, it does challenge the parts of your brain that you use differently to other games so like when you're talking to people you're kind of getting an instinctive reaction for for what you think about it and in the same way that when you're at the crime scenes and you're picking up bits of evidence you are kind of having to make your own mental calculations about what the evidence means and it's kind of in your own mind how you're piecing the evidence together and, and bringing the case and I think that's when the game's at its strongest when it allows you to make those connections between clues and uh, testimonies and, and then come to a conclusion. And that's really where there's a big difference between this and GTA, isn't it? That's where you've got the sort of funneling down to these individual cases rather than the sort of wide open, go explore the city sort of stuff of GTA. And do you think that was that positive, that difference? I think it works better for me than GTA because it's, there's, a, there's a greater intimacy with L.A. Noir. Everything is slowed down. I mean, maybe it's just partly to reflect the, the changing pace of life, but it feels to me like everything's slowed down. The walking's slowed down. The driving is slowed down. The camera's much closer. Um, and it feels like a much smaller scale, intimate experience than GTA. And for me, that works brilliantly. Um, 
And then there's a few areas where it becomes, I don't know if <clears throat> Alex would agree with this, it becomes more gamey. Um, they try and do these big action set pieces and, and make it kind of bigger and like a sort of denouement to the chapter, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, then it falls apart. It doesn't feel like a game that works very well when you're tearing around, you know, shooting loads of people and, um, you know, trying to climb up buildings or running away from a maniac on a bulldozer. Um, and the, the, those moments for me, you know, hit really hard and I, I didn't enjoy playing them. Completely agree with you. I mean, I, the, I found all of the open world parts, the parts where you just like left a, where you could go and do your own thing, but you were tasked with going somewhere else really just completely, well, unnecessary really to any part of the plot other than to extend the gameplay and to... Yeah, create these conclusions to sections of the of the story that felt irrelevant, really, when you looked at the what was for me the highlight of the game, which were these these personal interactions. And John, I know you've been talking about how there is actually a decent story here. Is that something which you just get in the cases, or is it does that extend beyond just the sort of investigation bit? I would say that I encountered the the story most satisfactorily during the cases, and I think it's the elements that try to kind of make the strongest links between the different sections that are problematic. And I think not just in terms of different styles of gameplay coming in and making the experience a bit muddled, but also in terms of kind of continuity of the story. It's, it gets a little bit clunky at times. And I guess that is also one of the question marks I'd put against the idea of it being filmic in inverted commas. So, for example, I mean, you would never believe a narrative in a film where um, a protagonist went from being kind of a cop walking the beat to and worked his way up all through different desks by every time he was involved in a case, regardless of what the circumstances of the case were, it turned out to be a murder that he could solve. I mean, that, that doesn't really make... That doesn't, <laughs> it's not really very believable. Yeah. Um, and yet, obviously, in, in terms of the game, we're happy to believe that because the mechanic needs it. Yeah, and we're used that. to that. That's how games work. It's not how um, exactly. TV or film work. Well, it's it's not that we are living Cole's life for him, and I think that's part of the <laughs> issue. Uh, that, that perhaps having been used to playing GTA, that we're used to it, it's very much these cases from his history. I think I think we're jumping around in time more than we might realise, mm. and I think that's a huge issue with it for me. Is that as much as it tries to portray that we are Cole in this, it we're really just occupying him for sections of the game. Yeah. And that's, and you end up with this very strange thing where you have this situation where you're jumping into coal and driving around killing thousands of people in your car and then going into a case and everything's back to normal. Well, killing a few people got, at least. <clears throat> well, you don't, well, you don't yeah, literally they, mow down thousands, do you? Well, you could if you wanted to, but they do seem to have this habit of jumping in front of my car when I'm driving around. Yeah, and I, thought, <laughs> I tried that <laughs> out because I thought it would stop me because I'm used to in GTA, uh, you know, the sort of the comedic element of like, oh, I can mow down pedestrians and kind of get away with it. And I thought, well, of course they won't let me do that here. What will happen? Um, and then I did. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, whoops, I shouldn't have done that really. Sort of. You do potentially lose points. I mean, it, the first yeah. couple of times you do it, it sort of tells you that Los Angeles police officers are there to protect the public. And The other thing about jumping into Cole's body is that you have these situations where you're doing these interrogations and you've got truth, doubt and lie. And you're never quite sure how Cole's going to react to your choice. It could be kind of coercive or it could be a very aggressive way of just doubting something. You could accuse somebody of lying to you because you think you've got the evidence. And Cole's taking it a completely different way to you. And you find mm. your own intentions are at odd with Cole's. 
Mm. And it becomes this very, I'm not playing this character, I'm just nudging him. And sometimes I don't get the results that I think I would get from this. Because it's set in an open world, that sets your expectations, doesn't it? That, you know, we're going to have more control and we can go where we like. And so we can make this character into what we like. And it reminded me, as I know some of you guys have mentioned, of Heavy Rain. And so the big difference between these two and what I was excited about L.A. Noire, having played Heavy Rain, was that this was like a proper open world version. I wasn't sort of directed down narrow <clears throat> narrative corridors. Now, having played them both, I almost feel that Heavy Rain was a better way to tell a story and actually offered more genuine choice because of its branching nature than the sort of faux choice that you got in L.A. Noire, whereas in actual fact, it was all relatively preset. The earlier point that was made about the story, I think there are two parts to that, which are the cases are all very good stories in themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's this large interact, um, overarching story that's good, but they don't necessarily always mesh very well or very satisfyingly. Yeah. The question about the facts that in the, in the kind of overarching sort of meta-narrative, in a sense... Um, it's all about the emotional or psychological impact of Cole's past on his present and future. Um, Mm. In the light of that, it's a bit disappointing that even if we are jumping through time, there's no sense of the emotional impact of those previous experiences on Cole's character going forwards. Um, Maybe that's overanalyzing a little bit, but I think that's something about the weakness of the connection of the different stories. So we've got this sense that things that have happened in Cole's distant past before the time of the game have this massive impact on his character and yet he doesn't show much kind of emotional growth as a result of the experiences that we direct him through there's nothing about the medium of being a video game that would stop them including that emotional narrative emotional journey of cole so i sort of wonder why the fact that the the cases are so heavily structured would make that very easy for them to do there's a kind of important emotional moment for cole in the story and there's uh, you know without wanting to, to give away spoilers he makes a decision to do something that has has quite serious ramifications um and there's a kind of and, and i kind of didn't see it coming and there was a moment where after this had happened one of the characters said to him you know why did you do it cole and i'm sitting there thinking i don't know either you know, I'm playing this mm-hmm. character and, he, you know, either I've gone or he's gone and done this thing. And I don't really understand where that came from. And I kind of, you know, in terms of the ov- overall arc, um, I get why it needed to happen narratively. But I don't understand where the character was coming from. And it seemed to come largely out of the blue. Um, mm. And even with it having happened, I never really felt I got a decent explanation for those actions. Um, and that's disappointing. And I don't think that's anything to do with the fact that it's a game. I think it's just bad storytelling. I don't think Rockstar had any investment in trying to tell you much about Cole outside of the cases. I mean, it comes down, there's this situation where he's meant to be this uh, family man who stays at home at the start of the game. And you've got this, you never meet his family. You just see him waving goodbye to them at the very beginning of the game. And that's about all you ever see of it. He kind of occasionally refers to them. It, it comes back to this emotional connection again. Bondy seemed to have no interest in telling you anything about him other than showing you the hard-nosed, straight-line cop that yeah. he is during cases. Which is a shame, because you'd almost like to see those, those interrogation mechanics almost kind of slightly modified and turned in on personal relationships. So rather than trying to press a suspect for clues you're kind of trying to work Cole through his own personal relationships. You know, in the same way that when you're in a friendship or a relationship with somebody, you 
you know, you're having a conversation with them. You don't always necessarily know what they're thinking and you're sometimes trying to draw things out of them. And I think it would have been interesting to see that turned on its head um, and used in a different context. Yeah, we're all chuckling away. <laughs> I could imagine a conversation with his wife or um, lover or whatever. Um, you know, this was going to be one of the I things that I did oh, for yeah, my... truth lie. <laughs> Wait a minute, you're looking at the floor. You must be lying. <laughs> you cow. This was going to be an angle I took for my review at one point, which was the situation where you're like sat doing something else and you're talking to somebody, but you're kind of absorbed in something else. And then suddenly you realise there's been this long lull in the conversation. You've said something horrific that you didn't quite realise they were offended by and you look up and then you see the look on their face having had no look at it no clue of it before and that kind of horrible moment where you realize you put your foot in it yeah. and it would be nice to have that situation where you're not necessarily always staring at him but i mean it's a funny point but also i think it's quite true because the um reference points like mad men and boardwalk empire and obviously the films that it references you have those sorts of um conversations and relationships very clearly um, and thinking about it now, it, it's really odd that there seems to be quite an absence of those. There was also these really toe-curlingly awkward bits in it where, um, particularly early on, when you first get a partner, you're sort of driving around and the partner will sort of make these observations about your character. Mm. Oh, so I see you're a real family man then, Cole. Or, oh, I see that um, having been a soldier has left its mark on you, Cole. And and I guess those are sort of supposed to um, be in the stead of the fact that we're not really learning much about Cole's own emotional workings. They're just really annoying and awful. Yeah, sort of yeah. looked at camera and almost a wink. <laughs> like, oh, this, <laughs> yeah. You might need to know this for later. Yeah, so yeah. comparing that to the kind of the work that you're doing when you're interrogating suspects, yeah. it's just, it's, you know, it's black and white, really. So with all this in mind, do you think obviously we've got a history of games and we sort of come to this with that baggage how do you think somebody with less of that um, would experience LA Noire is this a good place to start it could be if they took out all the open world sections mm. is that an answer well, <laughs> I mean, that's what it, it means it's, it's... it sounds like well actually Heavy Rain would be a better bet because it hasn't got those awkward well, open that's... world bits but without the open world sections it's actually very slow paced you needn't there's no need to interact quickly there's no lightning fast reactions it's just okay, you've seen what to do and now make your choice or we're going to walk around here and pick things up for 40 minutes as I sweep back and forth till the music stops. There's none of this kind of pull out your gun, duck behind cover, jump out and shoot that's really the intimidating part for non-gamers where it's there coming are some to bits of that though, the controls. Right? During the open world sections, I think that's oh, I very see. much... Once you take those out, yeah. If you took out that open world mechanic and like replace the driving around... Because the only reason for driving around is really to get from one crime scene to another. Did you not get your partner to drive? Yeah, no, often. Because I yeah. really didn't enjoy that. But Yeah, no, I uh, after I worked out. out that you could do that, I never drove again in the game. Unless <laughs> yeah, I absolutely that that's probably why it's there, unless you're really that's, into the driving. But that's because yeah. you were going for the five-star ratings, and the only way to avoid picking up damage penalties is to get your partner <laughs> to drive. I figured that out too. You're not fooling me. Oh. But I like what you said, Chris, how you could actually sort of role-play your journey from one one thing to the next i think well because i think when i first came to sort of big open world games like this when i played gta 3 for the first time i kind of almost wanted you know when i wasn't in the middle of a mission i almost felt like i wanted to drive around legally and actually drive the way you would in real life and i think gta gets in the way of that because the cars are all designed to be so fast it's almost impossible to drive at a sensible speed whereas actually i found with la noir it was very easy to just kind of get into the flow of traffic drive properly kind of role play the experience of moving around the city and then when a call comes in on the radio you kind of you know you hit the siren and pull out and then start driving 
down the middle of the road like a crazy person. Quite liked the fact that it, it felt like a more realistic living, breathing city. I think it's a bit of a waste. I mean, I almost feel like the star of the game is this incredibly large open environment that they've created um, and they almost don't use it you know I almost feel like I want to be able to role play more in that space and just kind of go and do other things it's almost an environment for a different game sort of make up your own games don't you because you were looking at real world buildings in LA um, when you were visiting um, and comparing them with those in the game and actually sort of Mm. finding there was a surprising similarity. I quite like that well, as well. well. Well, actually, before I went out, I mean, I had my address uh, for the hotel that, we, that I was going to stay in for E3. And I kind of thought, oh, I wonder if I can find where this is in LA Noir. And I looked up the address and I found it on the map in the game. And just for a joke, I kind of, you know, I drove up to the location and I, I took a screenshot of, of what this building looked like. Um, and it was only then when I got to LA and I was in the cab going from the airport to the hotel. And I kind of, I was in that feeling where I was in a new city and I didn't know where I was going and we turned a corner and I saw this building and I thought that's it that's the building (laughs) that I saw in the game and I knew I was in the right place and so I took a picture of it uh, in real life from roughly the same angle um, and I posted them both up on Twitter and I said look this is my hotel in LA Noir this is my hotel in LA Um, that's that's impressive impressive. I hadn't expected that level of detail it's Mm. amazing And and I think that's that's what I feel a little bit disappointed by it the actual LA they've created in the game is such a feat. It's such an achievement. I mean, you can't downplay what an incredible thing it is they've created. And I just don't feel that the game uses it. In a way, though, it's a kind of fabulous success, isn't it? I mean, Andy, we were talking about this the other day. Like, um, It wasn't that long ago that if you came across something in a game that was impressively built or something, you knew that it was going to be right at the heart of what the game was about mm. because there wouldn't have been any point in spending all that time and money focusing on it if it wasn't going to be really important. But we've got to the stage now in game development where actually you can build things that have incredible accuracy um, relatively quickly and therefore you can make them part of a kind of excess that doesn't necessarily have to feature in the game. I mean, I, I know what you're saying about how it is a shame. But I also think there's something amazing about it in a way that's like you can just build that and then not bother with making it really important Mm. in the game those are some of the elements that make me think uh, if i could connect some of my non-playing non-game playing friends with what this is both in terms of the integration and the environment i think they'd enjoy it but it's whether they can get over that sort of hurdle to realizing what's on offer i think if if you were new to gaming you probably might struggle with the slowness of the pacing i mean that's just I, i don't really have any evidence to back that up that's just the kind of intuition although i did i did show it to my wife and she was kind of she was much happier to watch me playing it than to have a go herself she sort of she was impressed by the way it looked but she wasn't drawn into wanting to uh, walk around a crime scene and have a look at things that didn't interest her but i I can kind of imagine that being a problem for for non-gamers but then the question of of where non-gamers should start with games is, I think, a bit of a moot one anyway. I mean, you would always have problems. If you'd never played a game before, you'd always have problems with any game you played. You just, you know, if you've never played a game before, just play whatever game you can find and then start from there, I think. Yeah, I wonder if it'd be the same if someone had never watched a film. What, what, yeah, what exactly. What like... you watch first? It's like, <laughs> well, just watch something and then once you get used to it, Ghostbusters. Yeah, and almost make it Ghostbusters. That's my advice. Save the better experiences (laughs) until you actually got your head round what this thing is. But I think new gamers need to be able to see very obvious results of their actions. I mean, I agree with what John's saying in that um, in those crime scenes, 
you almost if, if if you don't have the confidence to come to a game and know you're doing the right thing you kind of think well well I, you know a new gamer might think well am i doing the right thing whereas in another game you do something and the game kind of responds and says yes that's right or you're making progress or that kind of thing whereas i think with la noir you i think from that point of view it is quite bad for new gamers because you don't know how to read when you're making progress that's a good point actually i mean i think the the levels of ambiguity that are built into the game are basically a foil to um, a history of games that don't have much ambiguity or don't have much subtlety. They're sort of playing on the fact that a large part of the audience is going to have experienced games that are kind of like this structurally, but that have a much more um, effusive feedback mechanism. By introducing high levels of ambiguity at various points, it is a kind of nod to previous experiences with games. And I think most gamers that I've spoken to, and certainly for me, I really liked that and really appreciated that. But I can imagine for, for first-time gamers that being a bit like, oh, I, I don't know if I've done the right thing. I don't really know like where this is going. And mm. that being a bit just sort of distressing, or not distressing, but just a bit confusing. I like that about Elaine Noir. I, you know, I like that it doesn't necessarily have to make it easy. Um, I'm a big fan of The Wire, and I like the way that that doesn't attend to a casual audience. And I think video games often try and do that too much. So perhaps that's something to be said in its favour. We could go on talking about this all evening, I think, couldn't we? There's obviously a lot a lot in here in L.A. Noir. Um, but we're out of time, so um, until next time, if you want to track with us before the next podcast, you can do that at the website, www.gamepeople.co.uk. You can friend us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash gamepeople or follow us on Twitter at game underscore people. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. The Game People podcast was recorded for gamepeople.co.uk. The editor and producer was Andy Robertson.